0: Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God,
1: we ought to be able to talk about Him.
2: Getting you started on your day. With
0: the latest in breaking news and information.
3: From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's
0: serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So we're going to be on with you this Friday, January the 12th, 2023. I almost said 20. I almost did it. But I caught it myself. It's 2023. I'll get there. Huh. I mean, by December, I should have this nailed. Hey, it's the memorial of St. Hilary, bishop and doctor of the church. Praise be to God. Uh, more breaking Pell news today. Last night, we found out Cardinal Pell apparently circulated a memo among cardinals back in uh, the Lent of 2022. And it is very critical of the pontificate of. His Holiness Pope Francis. I'm going to read the memo to you at 15 past the hour. You can decide for yourself. Martin Luther and the revolution against salvation itself. What really motivated him? We've invited Dr. Derek Taylor to weigh in on that. He is a professor of history, and he's going to be on at uh, 35 past the hour. He wrote an article at Crisis Magazine. We'll be discussing that. Our good buddy Dave Palmer is back with some riveting Catholic radio for you today in the top of the second hour. John Paul Sartre. And existentialism. He's the guy who, like, said, uh, the world is absurd. We don't have to follow the rules. It's fine. Pretty much a communist. But what would uh, Thomas Aquinas say? We'll ask Dave Palmer that at the top of the next hour. Lots of stories in the news, of course. Lisa Marie Presley, daughter of Elvis Presley, has died. Cardiac arrest. Not good. Pray for her soul. Twitter files have exposed that uh, the Democrats uh, have apparently, through Twitter, perpetuated the Russiagate lie, even though it was false. Speaker McCarthy has uh, put the panic, the fear of God in D.C., basically saying he's going to release all 14,000 hours of the January 6th footage. That's interesting. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, in a surprise move to some, has announced a special counsel to investigate President Joe Biden and his uh, handling of classified documents at two locations, not just one. And Facebook has told... Uh, An official Biden White House staffer that uh, the big tech company not only suppressed information, but went above and beyond that extra mile to suppress truthful information at that just so it wouldn't get out. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos.
4: Good morning, Joe. You never done that before? (laughs) You never had some information or. Yeah. No.
0: Mm. Let's see. I did tell you once you're not allowed to tell the truth in the program. Uh, At yeah, least right. once per day. It was in my contract during the Fear and Trembling game show. as a minimum. As a as a minimum. As uh, a, as a minimum anyway. Right, right. I got a confession about it every day. Every you? Every week. Every day. <laughs> God. I have scruples. You have Just scruples, kidding. like uh, <laughs> like Martin Luther did, like Marty Luther. Yeah, Marty
4: McFly Luther. I see. Yeah, man,
0: yeah. what a guy! What a guy! What a Not a Chad? You know, no, no.
4: He's a Wojack, as they say. A, do they say that? Mm-hmm. Some would say a Soyjack. Really? Yeah. See these If are you terms, want to know what these terms mean, I have mean, no idea what this means. Make sure to tune into the after show.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, after I after see. the show, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. I see. Speaking of Wojaks, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, to Adrian. Yikes! Is that, what, is, that is it? Is <laughs> it really bad? That's bad. Yeah, does it means not Yeah, it's not cool. Where does man. it come from? It Wojeks. means it basically means you're an NPC. <laughs>
1: that did not help at all. That I know. I, just kidding. I was Should we release a book
0: whatsoever? of definitions so that we can all be on? Or no? John Paul Starr no. probably wouldn't want you to release a book of definitions. Mm. He would say that's too no. traditional. Well, you
1: know, you know despite too, the fact that Joe's insulting me, uh, <laughs> it is still good to be here. Nonetheless, is it? Nonetheless, is it is. It? Uh, Praise be to God. What's on the agenda of the week this week? What's on the agenda for the weekend? Well, I'm actually giving two talks on Ooh. Sunday. Uh, one at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Walsingham um, on religious vocations. Wow. Which I was asked like literally yesterday. So I am like, Praise I don't God. know if I'm going to be able to uh, prepare anything. Ah, but you'll be uh, it'll be, uh, we'll see what happens. And then I'm giving a talk at St. Teresa's in Sugarland Land on um, the, what is its name? I've already forgot the name of my own talk. <laughs> I'm calling it <laughs> Living a Life of Sublimity in a Vulgar World. That's Ooh. what it is. That'll so, be great. Right, right, On beauty, got.
0: basically. I'm going hunting. Can't wait. I'm so excited. Meat. More meat in the freezer. Are you bringing me back any? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Some venison sausage? Yeah. <laughs> it's st- yours is still sitting in my freezer. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, now, I'll, I'll think, be over later. Think of like a safe, like a meat uh-huh. safe, you know, like you know, when I'll, you try to hedge the uh, inflation don't worry. bet.
1: I will be over at your house <laughs> later today yeah. to pick up my venison mm. sausage. Did
0: I give you my new address? I'm just curious. Uh, no. Oh, well, let, an... remind me later to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll get right on telling you where I've moved. That right. meat safe <laughs> uh, Totally. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's the combination? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get on that. Hey, let's pray. We got a lot to get to today. Do share us with a friend in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos.
4: Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday, January thirteenth, and here are your headlines this morning. Life site or no, this is actually forget the source. Attorney General appoints special counsel to investigate documents found at Biden's home, former office. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed Robert Hur, a former federal prosecutor, as special counsel. Regulations state that the Attorney General will appoint a special counsel when he determines that a criminal investigation is warranted, an investigation or prosecution by the Department of Justice present a conflict of interest for the department or other extraordinary circumstances. I'm sure we're going to hear a little bit more about this as this story develops, and make sure to tune into to Catholic Drive Time to hear more about it. Breitbart reports, Swiss Army sends 5,000 soldiers to guard Davos' globalist elites When the globalist elites fly into Davos, Switzerland in coming days to prepare for the World Economic Forum annual meeting, they will be far from alone as they step off their private jet transports and into fleets of waiting limousines. Some 5,000-plus soldiers from the Swiss Army are deployed to welcome attendees to the luxury ski resort and protect participants from harassment protests or dissenting voices. Breitbart also reports Navy Secretary says arming both U.S. and Ukraine could become challenging. The U.S. Navy Secretary Carlos del Toro warns that the U.S. may soon have a difficult time arming both the Navy and Ukraine in a rare admission by the Biden administration of the risks of sending billions in U.S. military assistance to Ukraine. Since Russia invaded Ukraine in February 2022, the U.S. Congress has allocated $113 billion worth of aid to Ukraine, including over $19 billion worth of military assistance, much of it from the U.S. military's inventories. And the Blaze reports, Army expands pre-basic training weight loss program as recruitment struggles. The United States Army is expanding a pre-basic training course that keeps recruits on board who didn't meet the testing requirements for body fat or aptitude due to a recruiting crisis. The program's attendees have 90 days to reduce their body fat percentage or raise their aptitude score to applicable levels before getting approval for basic training. The majority of applicants have completed the program, with 92% successfully advancing. Recruitment was down 23% at the end of the second quarter of 2022, marking the worst recruiting year in Army history since the force became completely voluntary in 1973. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Having
1: too much body fat. Is Rudy calling me out? That <laughs> sounds like it. The saint of the day is Blessed Francis of Capellas, Born in 1608 in Old Castile, Spain, he entered the Dominicans at Valladolid at the age of 17. The Spain of his youth was still ringing with the missionary zeal of many saints. He volunteered for the Philippine missions while he was a deacon, and at the age of 23, that would be in 1631, he left Spain and was ordained in Manila. Here at the gateway to the Orient, the Dominicans have founded a university in 1611 and the city teemed with missionaries traveling throughout the Orient. The young priest labored for 10 years in the province of Cayenne, the Philippines, where heat, insects, disease, and paganism leagued against the foreigners to make life very hard. But it was not hard enough for Francis. He begged for a mission field that was really difficult. Perhaps like many of the eager young apostles of the time, he was hoping for an assignment in Japan, where the great persecution was raging. He was sent to Fukan, China, where he worked uneventfully for some years. Then, a Tartar invasion put his life in jeopardy. He was captured by a band of Tartars and imprisoned as a spy. Francis, like his master, was subjected to a mock trial. Civil, military, and religious officials questioned him, and they accused him of everything from political intrigue to witchcraft. He was charged with disregarding ancestor worship, and finally, since they could find no cause in him, he was turned over to the torturers. He endured cruel treatment of these men with great courage. Seeing his calmness, the magistrates became curious about his doctrines. They offered him wealth, power, and freedom if he would renounce his faith. But he amazed and annoyed them by choosing to suffer instead. They varied the tortures with imprisonment, and he profitably used the time to convert his jailer and fellow prisoners. Even the Mandarin visited him in prison, asking Francis if he would renounce his faith or would he prefer to suffer more. Being told that he was glad to suffer for Christ, the Mandarin furiously ordered that he be scourged again, quote, so he would have even more to be glad about, end quote. Francis was finally condemned, as it says in the breviary, as the leader of the traitors. These being the rebel army that was besieging the city. The official's con- condemnation is stated in these words, quote, After long suffering, he was finally beheaded, and so it entered into the presence of the Master, who likewise suffered and died under a civil sentence. He was martyred on January 15, 1640 in China, and beatified on May 2, 1909 by Pope Pius X blessed Francis of Capellus, pray
0: for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door, and he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him. After they had broken through, they let down the mat on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there and asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming who but God alone can forgive sins. Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves. So he said, Why are you thinking such things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, pick up your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat, and go home. He rose, picked up his mat at once, and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide Friday. Adrian, Yes, sir.
1: Absolutely. Cornelius Alapide had tons to say on this passage, but I'll just focus on one thing, because we have about a minute. And behold, they brought to him, says St. Mark, the paralytic man who was carried by four bearers. Learn from this to care not only for thine own salvation, but for that of thy neighbors, and that earnestly as well, because charity demands it as because God often chastises the good as well as the bad, because the good neglect to chastise and amend the faults of the bad. What is he saying here? He's saying we need to look out for the salvation of our neighbor. We need to care for our neighbor. We need to love our neighbor. He says not only ourselves, which implies that we also should care for our own salvation. This is very important. We must be thinking of salvation. If you love your neighbor, if you love your family, if you love yourself, people talk about self-help and love yourself and all these kind of things. Well, what is the greatest love that you can have? And that is to will the salvation of the other, which for yourself, go to confession, do the practices of the church, do the things that will bring about your salvation. If you love your neighbor, if you love your family, then do the things that will bring about their salvation, call them to repentance, this sort of thing. Cornelius Lapide brings up, he says in the old form of canon law, which for him was the current code of canon law, it stated that the physician should seek the health of a sick man's soul before that of the body imagine if we had doctors like that today who cared for the soul first he said this rule is strictly observed at Rome where physicians after the third day of illness especially when there is peril of death may not go near a sick person except he forthwith cleanse his soul from sin by the sacramental confession as Saint Basil says oftentimes our diseases the scourges of sin which are sent for no other purpose than that he would should amend our lives so today Think about this.
0: Go to confession. Get the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Praise be to God. Hey, did Cardinal Pell write a damning memo a year ago? I'm going to read it to you. You'll find out.
5: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it's become a bad habit in our society to celebrate Christmas before it comes. We've forgotten the glory of anticipation The presents should not be opened until Christmas. That, of course, is part of the excitement. And while we know the gifts are coming, Chesterton reminds us that the best kind of gift is the surprise gift. And if we have the right perspective, we should look at everything as a gift and every gift as a surprise gift. We are happy to wake up on Christmas morning and find gifts in our stockings, but the best gift we could ever find in our stockings is our own two legs. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Merry Christmas from the Guadalupe Radio Network in Houston. I'm General Manager Tim Mott, and there is one very important thing that I'm going to shout from the rooftops, from the radio, and from your GRN phone app from now until I can't shout anymore. The Incarnation changes everything. Deus fit homo ut homo fieret Deus. God became man so that man might become God. Go look it up. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. And thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network.
0: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joel McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Professor Derek Taylor is going to be on saying farewell to Luther. What really motivated him in his revolution against Holy Mother Church, salvation itself? What were some of the issues of despair, of uh, scrupulosity? We're going to have that conversation coming up 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can, but there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. Uh, Yesterday, uh, we learned from uh, Sandro Magister that uh, there was a memo about just over a year ago now. It was circling amongst the cardinals in Lent in 2022 that seemed incredibly critical of the current pontificate. Well, yesterday it was revealed by Sandro Magister, the person who posted the memo, that that uh, memo was written by Cardinal Pell. I want to read that memo to you and let you be the judge on how critical it is of Francis himself and uh, what not. So let's jump into this. This comes to us from Magister's blog, Le Espresso. I don't even know if there's that. Espresso is like a tasty coffee. I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean in English. That's what I'm sipping on right now. Oh, man. All right. So here is the headline. It says a memorandum on the next conclave is circulating amongst the cardinals. And uh, it was signed by Demos, which in Greek means people, so the original memorandum was signed by the people, essentially, but now we're being told it's Cardinal Pell's personal writing. Here is the memo itself, quote, "...commentators of every school, if for different reasons, with the possible exception of Father Spadaro S.J., agree that this pontificate is a disaster, in many or most respects, a catastrophe." Number one, the successor of St. Peter is the rock on which the Church is built, a major source and cause of worldwide unity. Historically, St. Irenaeus, the Pope, and the Church of Rome have a unique role in preserving the apostolic tradition, the rule of faith, in ensuring that the churches continue to teach what Christ and the apostles taught. Previously, it was Roma locuta causa finita est. Today, it's Roma locutur, Confessio Adjutator adjuator. In other words con, uh, An agitator of confusion The article The memo goes on to say uh, The German Synod speaks on homosexuality Women priests Communion for the divorce The papacy is silent Not responding Cardinal Holerich rejects the Christian teaching on sexuality The papacy is silent This is Doubly significant because the cardinal is explicitly heretical. He does not use code or hints. If the cardinal were to continue without Roman correction, this would represent another deeper breakdown of discipline with few, in parentheses, any precedents in history. The Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith must act and speak. The silence is emphasized when contrasted with the active persecution of the traditionalists and the contemplative convents. The Christocentricity of teaching is being weakened. Christ is being moved from the center. Sometimes Rome even seems to be confused about the importance of the strict monotheism, hinting at some wider concept of divinity, not quite pantheism, but like a Hindu pantheism variant. Pachamama is idolatrous. Perhaps it was not intended as such initially. The the contemplative nuns are being persecuted and attempts are being made to change the teachings of the charismatics. The Christocentric legacy of St. John Paul II in faith and morals is under systematic attack. Many of the staff of the Roman Institute for the Family have been dismissed. Most students have left. The Academy for Life is gravely damaged. Examples, some members recently supported assisted suicide. The Pontifical Academies have members and visiting speakers who support abortion. The lack of respect for the law in the Vatican risks becoming an international scandal. These issues have been crystallized through the present Vatican trial of 10 accused of financial malpractices. But the problem is older and wider. The Pope has changed the law four times during the trial to help the prosecution. Cardinal Becciu has not been treated justly because he was removed from his position and stripped of his cardinal uh, his cardinalate dignities without any trial. He did not receive due process. Everyone has a right to due process. As the Pope is head of the Vatican State and the source of all legal authority, he has used this power to intervene in legal procedures. The Pope sometimes, in parentheses often, rules by papal decrees, in parentheses moto proprio, which eliminate the right to appeal of those affected. Many staff, often priests, have summarily been dismissed from the Vatican Curia, often without good reason. Phone-tapping is regularly practiced. I'm not sure how often it is authorized. In the English case against Torzi, the judge criticized the Vatican prosecutors harshly. They are either incompetent and or were nobbled, prevented from giving the full picture. The raid by the Vatican, uh, uh, Gendar- the Gendarmeria, led by Dr. Gianni in 2017, on the auditor's, in parentheses, Libero Meloni, office on Italian territory was probably illegal and certainly intimidating and violent. It is possible that evidence against Meloni was fabricated. The financial situation of the Vatican is grave. For the past 10 years, at least, there have nearly always been financial deficits. Before COVID, these deficits ranged around 20 million euro annually. For the last three years, they have been around 30 to 35 million euro annually. The problems predate both Francis and Benedict. The Vatican is facing a large deficit in the pensions fund. Around 2014, the experts from COSEA estimated the deficit would be around 800 million euro in 2030. That was before COVID. It is estimated the Vatican has lost 217 million euro on the Salone Avenue property in London. In the 1980s, the Vatican was forced to pay out $230 million after the Banco Ambrosiano scandal. Through inefficiency and corruption during the past 25-30 years, the Vatican has lost at least another €100 million, euro, and it probably would be much higher, perhaps €150-200 million euro. Despite the Holy Father's recent decision, the process of investing has not been centralized. And remains immune to expert advice. For decades, the Vatican has dealt with disreputable financiers avoiding all respectable bankers in Italy. The return of the 5261 Vatican properties remains scandalously low. In 2019, the return before COVID was nearly $4,500 a year. In 2020, it was €290 per property. The changing role of Pope Francis in the financial reforms, incomplete but substantial progress as far as reducing crime is concerned, much less successful, except at IOR in, in terms of profitability, is a mystery and enigma. Initially, the Holy Father strongly backed the reforms. He then prevented the centralization of investments, opposed the reforms, most attempts to unveil corruption, and supported then Archbishop Becciu at the center Vatican financial establishment. Then in 2020, Pope turned on Becciu, and eventually 10 persons were placed on trial and charged. Over the years, few prosecutions were attempted from the AIF reports of infringements. The external auditors, Price, Waterhouse, and Cooper, were dismissed and the Auditor General, Libro Meloni, was forced to resign on trumped-up charges in 2017. They were coming too close to the corruption in the Secretariat of State. The political influence of Pope Francis and the Vatican is negligible. And intellectually, papal writings demonstrate a decline from the standard of St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict. Decisions and policies are often politically correct, But they have been grave failures to support human rights in Venezuela, Hong Kong, mainland China, and now in the Russian invasion. There has been no public support for the loyal Catholics in China who have been uh, intermittently persecuted for their loyalty to the papacy for more than 70 years. No public Vatican support for the Catholic community in Ukraine, especially the Greek Catholics. These issues should be revisited by the next pope. The Vatican's political prestige is now at a low ebb. At a different lower level, the situation of Tridentine traditionalist Catholics should be regularized. At a further and lower level, the celebration of individual and small group masses in the mornings at St. Peter's Basilica should be permitted once again. At the moment, this great basilica is like a desert In the early mornings, the COVID crisis has covered up the large decline in the number of pilgrims attending papal audiences and masses. The Holy Father has little support among seminarians and young priests, and widespread disaffection exists at the Vatican Curia. The next conclave. The College of Cardinals has been weakened by eccentric nominations and has not been reconvened after the rejection of Cardinal Casper's view in the 2014 consistory. Many cardinals are unknown to one another, adding a new dimension of unpredictability to the next conclave. After Vatican II, Catholic authorities often underestimated the hostile power of secularization, the world, flesh and the devil, especially in the Western world, and overestimated the influence and strength of the Catholic Church. We are weaker than 50 years ago, and many factors are beyond our control in the short term, at least. Example, the decline in the number of believers, the frequency of mass mass attendance, the demise or extinction of many religious orders. The Pope does not need to be the world's best evangelist, nor a political force. The successor of Peter, as head of the College of Bishops, also successors of the Apostles, has a foundational role for unity and doctrine. The new Pope must understand that the secret of Christian and Catholic vitality comes from fidelity to the teachings of Christ and Catholic practices. It does not come from adapting to the world or from money. The first tasks of the new pope will be to restore normality, restore doctrinal clarity in faith and morals, restore a proper respect for the law, and ensure that the first criterion for the nomination of bishops is acceptance of the apostolic tradition. Theological expertise and learning are an advantage, not a hindrance for all bishops, and especially archbishops. These are necessary foundations for living and preaching the gospel. If the synodal gatherings continue around the world, they will consume much time and money, probably distracting energy from evangelization and service rather than deepening these essential activities. If the national or continental synods are given doctrinal authority, we will have a new danger to worldwide church unity, whereby, example, the the German church holds doctrinal views not shared by other churches and not compatible with the apostolic tradition. If there was no Roman correction of such heresy, the church would be reduced to a loose federation of local churches holding different views, probably closer to an Anglican or Protestant model than an Orthodox model. There's a few more points in this, and I'll read the rest of it to you in the after show, the second half of the second hour. So join us for that if you are able to. But coming up after the break, we're going to talk about another revolution of the church 500 plus years ago. Martin Luther. What was really motivating him in that? To better understand, we've invited Dr. Derek Taylor. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
5: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
2: Dearly beloved, today our Savior is born. Let us rejoice. Sadness should have no place on the birthday of life. The fear of death has been swallowed up. Life brings us joy with the promise of eternal happiness. No one is shut out from this joy. All share the same reason for rejoicing. Our Lord, victor over sin and death, finding no man free from sin, came to free us all. This is Cecil Anderson, the North Texas Assistant of the GRN, wishing you and your family a blessed Christmas season with a little help from my friend, St. Leo the Great.
4: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here's a couple more headlines for you. Catholic News Agency reports Swiss bishops call for respect for rules after a woman appears to concelebrate Mass. Only ordained priests may preside at the Mass, and the liturgy should not be a testing ground for personal projects, three Swiss bishops have said. Their intervention follows an internet controversy over a video of a laywoman who seemed to be concelebrating Mass with the priests. Bishop Bonmain quickly opened a preliminary canonical investigation into the action on the grounds of alleged liturgical abuse. Canon 907 of the Catholic Church's Canon Law bars Catholic deacons and Catholic laity from offering the Eucharistic prayer and from performing actions such as uh, uh, extending your hands and that sort of thing, proper to the celebrating of a priest. The Epic Times reports U.S. received more than 500 UFO reports. Many cases remain unresolved. The U.S. government has now collected a total of 510 UFO reports, according to the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, marking a relatively significant increase in recent months of such reports. The increase of reporting of UFOs, or what the DNI now calls UAPs, which are Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, now Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, is partially due to a concentrated effort to destigmatize de- a topic of UAPs and instead recognize the potential risks that it poses as both a safety of flight hazard and a potential adversarial activity. So, they're making a distinction here. It may not actually be little green men. It may actually be maybe some Russians or Chinese people. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe, well, there's a lot to speculate here. But those are your headline news this morning. God love you.
0: Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. We appreciate that. Don't forget, today is Friday, which means we send out the CDT Insider email where we send you goodies every week, you know, some uh, entertainment. We send links of all the interviews we've had for the week, opportunities for you to Watch them again. Listen to them again. Share them with friends and family. That would be amazing. We'd appreciate that. If you want to get in on the inside, what you do is you go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can sign up to our insider email list there. That's grnonline forward slash CDT, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the insider email link. You can sign up. It takes just a moment. And we also send you a talk by Father Bill Casey right away, just to say thank you for signing up and allowing us to harass you in your inbox at least once a week. And uh, I'll also include the link to the Telegram group. We did have some new members last week. I'll send it again this week if you want to join us on the inside in our Telegram group, like Tammy and, and Luz and Mike and Damon. Praise be to God. Good morning to all of you. Becky, good morning to you. Josh, thanks for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, but uh, again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Joining us right now by a Zoom chat is Dr. Derek Taylor, professor of history in uh, in Kansas. We're very grateful for your time today, Dr. Taylor. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Uh, happy New Year as well. Yeah, praise be to God. So you have an article over Crisis Magazine, Farewell to Luther. You're a convert. I'm a convert. So I can really appreciate the journey and the process of coming into the church as a convert. But I found your article very interesting. Martin Luther uh, really created a rupture that lasts and we suffer from still to this day. And uh, when I read your article, it seemed like you both understood that that uh, that problem, that major crisis, the revolution that he kicked off. And yet at the same time have some sympathy for some of the... the the real struggles going on underneath the surface. Tell us about your article.
6: Yeah, this is something that um, I've been thinking about, wanting to write about for a long time because I hadn't. In the article, I, you know, baptized in two thousand three, but I, I never stopped kind of working through. You know, was Luther. You know what? You know why exactly was he wrong, right? Like you, in general, like you believe the church has the authority it says, but you know, for people who, and I mentioned the article, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, Protestant from an area as a Protestant area, so we want to give a good answer as to why, why he was wrong. What was he doing? You know, partly because you know people. They see, everyone knows the the problems in the church in the late Middle Ages, that it's corrupt, that there are problems with it. Why obey a corrupt authority? Why not, you know, because this is something that especially with I find with Protestants is, I think <clears throat> part of the attraction is the idea of independence. Like you're independent minded, you don't have to obey. Like if this person's making you miserable with their authority, why? Obe- Those sorts of things you want to think through. And why he was wrong, what made him, what led him to do those sorts of things, and try to find some sympathy, because I had to teach him (laughs) in my classes, and I I mean, I was really, when you first, you know, you first go through this, like, you really, I mean, he's an unlikable person, let's put it that way, Uh, he just was a very troubled person, and so I was searching throughout for, okay, ways to, like, not hate him, (laughs) which I found, by the way. You were forcing yourself to not,
0: oh, can I, let me stop you there just for a sec, because as a convert, uh, I used to listen to a lot of Protestant uh, professors and their their sermons, their lectures, a lot of uh, Protestant commentators on Protestant radio, for instance, and when they talked about Martin Luther, they never, ever would mention any of his downsides. They wouldn't talk about his personality quirks, his internal turmoil uh, with scrupulosity, despair or other issues. No, he was the saint, he was the one icon that they would happily adore. I mean, he had no faults. At, did you have that same experience as a Protestant and then becoming Catholic? It's like, you know, it's like I, when I learned about some of those other things about Martin Luther, I was like, oh, how come I, what, why am I just now finding out about this?
6: No, I actually knew about that. I actually went from being an atheist to a, to a Catholic, so I never had that issue where I was, ah. they were hiding things from me. So, <laughs> and actually I, you know, I did know, um, I knew something about his personality, but I didn't know, I didn't know the extent of it. Like I, I mentioned some of the books I read in the article and I I mentioned I used to defend him because he gets, you know, he said some really awful things about Jews. And I try to defend him by saying, you know, one of his one of his big debaters at the time was Johannes Eck, Catholic debater, and I defended him by and Eck said some nasty people. People said nasty things about Jews, but it was much worse. <laughs> it was different with Luther. Actually, did uh, I believe at one point urge people to burn down synagogues with Jews in them? So he wow. said much worse things. <laughs> so and uh, but again, I tried to define – like you're trying to be like yeah, people hide that. And by the way, that happened at the time. Like he because he was the one who made the sort of psychological break with Rome. He made that possible. He tended to get, you know, treated with kid gloves by people. He was, by the way, trashing the whole time. I'm talking about his fellow reformers like Zwingli and people like that. So because he was so important to the movement, yeah, he tended to get treated with kid gloves from a very early period.
4: Mr. Taylor, you know, you you mentioned psychology just now, and and I think there's a – there's a growing movement of people who are trying to analyze his uh his motivations from a psychological perspective and I know you mentioned that in your article over at Crisis Magazine. Can you talk a little bit about those things?
6: Yeah, it's just a, it's, it's pretty obvious problems he had. I mean, he he was a troubled person. That's one of the things that could maybe actually have some sympathy with him. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he had issues with his father. <laughs> uh his father wanted him to become a lawyer. Um he became a priest. Someone I think I think it was the uh He's like, he's a Catholic. A biographer of Thomas More pointed this out. Thomas More's father wanted him to be a lawyer. He went and became a lawyer. Whereas mm-hmm. <laughs> the Luther rebelled against his father. So there's there's things in the background. Um, Lyndall Roper, I, I read by the best biography I've ever read of Luther, mentioned this. He grew up in a mining family. Uh, sort of like he he played up his peasant ancestry later on as a you know man of the people and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But he came from a fairly when he was growing up, fairly well off like what would be not middle class, but something like that. But it was a place where, you know, it's it's a business and so people are very assertive and he had to be, you know, assert himself to, you know, to sort of, you know, whatever, uh establish his identity there. All this kind of had an influence on him. But people have had a field day for for years with his psychological issues. I mentioned a book in the article called Young Man Luther by Eric Erickson, who's a famous psychologist. So there are all these things kind of going on. And just because he had, you know, we know he had, he suffered from depression. Uh, I suffered from depression. So I kind of have that. One of the things that made me sympathetic with him. If you've ever really suffered from, you know, um, really bad depression, it can, you know, one of the things that I mentioned in the article is that he was a really angry person. He actually talked about anger being a great thing. and. One of the ways, because you know, that's one of the things students, when they interact, even Protestant ones, are horrified by the things he says about people, mm-hmm. is that remember this is a this is an age before, you know, um, antidepressants. One of the few ways you can break through that despair is to gin up anger, mm-hmm. and so I think that's one of the reasons why he did that. And so pe- things like that, people have talked about um, scholarship on on Luther.
1: Yeah, one thing that I found interesting, uh, one, oh, two things, I guess. One thing real quick is you know, the On the Jews and Their Lies it was the book that, that Martin Luther had published, and I remember learning in, in uh, a class that the Nazis used that as propaganda against the Jews, that they would publish it, and they took it out to Nuremberg and started presenting it, had to translate it translated into English, circulated in the U.S. and other places. Uh, so it's a very interesting, uh, that, that kind of background. But uh, we're, we're, we're right up on a break, but bef- uh, kind of I want to set the tee this up. You know, one thing, I was just interviewing um, the Scholastic Thomas or Scholastic Answers on uh, my podcast, and we were talking about the history of Reformation theology because he uh, had did his bachelor's and master's in that field when he was studying to become an Anglican priest. And we were talking about this, and he was saying, even among the Reformers, you know, you have Zwingli, you have all these, you have Calvin, he said, Luther... Was a very sloppy thinker. He didn't. He was not very coherent. They kind of got rid of. Uh, most people kind of just ignored his theology and his philosophy. It was. He was a very sloppy thinker, and it wasn't so much as an insult as it was a recognition of where he stood in the intellectual tradition. But I just wanted to tee that up, and we'll get to it at the uh, other side of the break. So when when we come back, we're going to be talking about the philosophical and theological aspects of Luther and how that relates to you know, trying to understand where he's coming from. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Catholic drive time right after this.
5: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas minute. Are you worried about the war on Christmas? Don't be. GK Chesterton says Christmas is the irresistible festival for Those Who Are Afraid to be Festive. It is the spectacular festival when almost everyone lives and acts poetry instead of just a few people writing it. It is the ancient festival, a trinity of eating, drinking, praying, that to modern seems irreverent because the holy day really is a holiday. No matter what happens, says Chesterton, The great majority will go on observing Christmas Day with Christmas gifts and Christmas benedictions, and they will continue to do it, and suddenly, someday they'll wake up and discover why. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Hi listeners, Sean here. Join me
0: in this short meditation on the birth of Jesus from Luke's gospel, chapter two, verses 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, be not afraid for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. On behalf of all of us here at the GRN in South and Central Texas, have a blessed Christmas celebration. May God bless you and Mary smile upon you. Amen. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So, we're going to be on with you, Dave Palmer, our friend, host of Back to the Father, is going to be on at the top of the next hour. For those of you that can't join us, we're going to be talking about Jean Paul Sartre. Is it Sartre or Sartre? Sartre? I've always heard it as Sartre. I oh, probably Art. will get it wrong Sartre. no matter how I say it, but nonetheless, uh, what, does, uh, what would Thomas Aquinas say to a, uh, an existentialist like Jean Paul Sartre? That's coming up at the top of the next hour. Right now, we're talking with uh, Dr. Taylor, a history professor in Kansas. Praise be to God. Welcome back to the show. Uh, right before the break, Adrian was asking the question: If you could put, if you could just pause, put put a pin in Martin Luther's emotional, psychological problems, and just put that to the side. His intellectual prowess—does he have some? Is he worth reading at all? If you could just eliminate all of the emotional baggage. <clears throat>
6: Um yeah he's worth reading. I mean it's not he's not a systematic thinker. He's not Cal- Calvin's a a real system builder. And so he takes Luther's basic positions and develops them into something that people can actually you know um they can actually adapt themselves. Luther's Luther's a preacher. I mean he's what he is a rhetorician really when you think about it. Um And that's what he's good at is rhetorically, (laughs) rhetorically beating people to death with language in some ways. But he's also he writes hymns. So no, he's not a very consistent thinker. It's not very if you're if you're judging from that standard, yeah, it's (laughs) there's a lot of contradictions, things that Mm -hmm. don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, his his thing was as a was really he was more of a preacher than anything else. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you get it pretty quickly that he's not the greatest. He's not the equal of Aquinas. I mean, I've heard this somewhere, that Calvin was sometimes called the Protestant Aquinas because he was, again, that kind of systematic thinker. But in terms of, like, insights, yeah, it's pretty, pretty clear he is driven, again, by his psychology to make these breaks, some of which are really, they're kind of amazing. I was thinking about this. I mentioned this in the essay. He's the first person to suggest you can have perfect assurance that you're in a state of grace. I was just thinking about Joan of Arc, like she was put on trial and one of the things they tried to accuse her of is that well she she denied she could know she she knew the standard theological answer was, you can't have knowledge of that whereas Luther because of his desperate need for it, and it is it is it is it's moving to read it when he talks about this um I, can't, I think it's in the bondage of the will where he talks about you know what it what it what, how ba- how awful it was for him not to have that certainty so you sympathize with that way but no the, the, to me the clearly the intellectual his intellectual uh, uh, theological positions are dictated by that, which is why they don't make a lot of sense if you don't share those same psychological, psychological um, starting points.
0: Uh, one of the things you quote, you quote uh, Martin Luther here, and I found this very, very interesting. It sort of illustrates very well, which is well, probably why you quoted it, uh, <laughs> the struggles that are internal to Martin Luther. He says, quote, I frankly confess that I should not want free will to be given me, even if it could be, nor anything else left in my own hands to enable me to strive after salvation. Because even though there was no dangers adversities or devils, I should still be forced to labor with no guarantee of success. If I lived and worked to all eternity, my conscience would never reach comfortable certainty as to how much it must do to please God. I am certain that I please God, not by the merit of my works, but by reason of his merciful favor promised to me." Close quote, Martin Luther. You know, this is fascinating because... How many millions of people believe in once saved, always saved? And they're not properly uh, addressing some of the sins in their life. They're not, you know, um, they're not, they're not confessing these sins. They're not making, they're not doing penance for these sins. They're not properly uh, bringing themselves and making themselves right before God. They just believe that it's, you know, once saved, always saved. Because of Martin Luther's internal struggle, now many, many generations are just going along with this. This is a revolution that has affected literally billions of human people over the last 500 years. This is very serious.
6: Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, reading that quote, that was the quotation from the bond of will that I, 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 I kind of like, that was the first time I, I looked at Luther and wasn't because <laughs> again that that's his uh, debate with Erasmus and he just hurls nasty insults at him 24-7, this is what my students never liked. But that kind of was revealing, oh, that's what's motivating him. And you mentioned like not confessing your sins. But I would also say I know a lot of people who think they're sinful and they're not really that sinful, they torture themselves for no reason. Yeah. And they and both of those things go together. Because we all do that, I think. We we feel bad for things that aren't sinful and yeah. we don't feel bad about things that are sinful. Mm-hmm. And I think you can spin that into, oh my God, I can't control my you know, my sense of self-assurance or something. And yeah, I mean that's the thing that really it's about Luther's like, wow, that's right. if you're suffering like that and you get that into your head, you you can see I could finally see how he did that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's based on it's based on a misunderstanding and it's based on a sort of He uh, needed counseling like uh, not having confession, not having those ideas yeah. like, okay, I'm I'm relieved of these things now but also that you know you're not you just the other thing is like learning to deal with uncertainty i've had a huge problem with this in my life like you're not gonna you're not gonna have absolute certainty about all the things you'd want to have in life um i mentioned that in our our essay because this is my thought process working through it is god didn't necessarily promise me that there's nothing in scripture like that there's nothing in the tradition like that he does he does promise you his presence he will never depart from you that's why christ came that's why he became man those sorts of things and there is healing for that there is a it's not like you have to suffer like that and i almost feel like luther when the church couldn't magically take away his suffering he decided to just burn everything to the ground yeah and it's it's, yeah i'm sorry
1: yeah I i found that interesting because you know the idea there that you have to have certainty you know it's it's understandable when you look at someone and they realize sure. that there are some things they can't be certain about, and they kind of have yeah. this kind of existential crisis, and they are they just freak out and say, well, if I can't have certainty about some things, then maybe I don't have certainty about anything. And I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. yeah. if you looked at this at all about how this kind of um, elements in Luther affected his destruction of the Holy Mass, because he still kind of had a pseudo mass but he gravely uh destroyed it and whenever he uh kind of modified it Uh, did you think or look at that at all
6: well it kind of naturally flows from his uh from his thinking right once he's once he's once you think that the church has been lying to you then everything it it makes sense of why okay pope's antichrist mass is a You know, idol. It it makes perfect sense then, Mm because all this is fake and false. And so, uh, because the big thing is these. I mentioned this in there is like these things are objective realities. The Bible, they're not. It's not totally being subjective. But how you know that is they induce that certainty. If they don't produce that certainty, they must be of the devil. And that's where he. That's where it's where it feeds into his thinking. And this is why I think someone mentioned earlier why people like uh, Melanchthon and later on. All the other reformers, they have no use for any of this because they don't suffer from any of those problems. They're perfectly confident people. That's why they go in and uh, and do the things they do. And so it's a very different approach they take, theologically speaking. But yes, Luther, it's a direct – it's really, I think, a direct correlation to why, okay, if this is not doing this, it must be of the devil because it becomes, like you said – any certainty becomes dependent on knowing yourself, knowing you are saved. Mm. And so it kind of poisons everything. And you do see throughout history certain Protestants, if they share those same problems, they have that same issue. Um, But not all of them do, because it is so rooted in in Luther's personality.
0: You know, just sitting here thinking about Martin Luther is a great example of why we have faith and reason, and how our intellect must check our emotions. You know, the, the example I tend to give all the time uh, as a big guy is, listen, if, I, if every time I pass by a, uh, a Burger King, I stop for, <laughs> for, a, for a bacon double cheeseburger, whatever that thing is, then pff, I'd be in a lot of trouble health-wise, right? Like, my, my intellect has to say, no, Joe, you've had one too many cheeseburgers in your life already. You don't need another one. <laughs> Right? Like it has to happen that way. And yet in Martin Luther's case, you know, he needed that reason to check his emotional state to say, listen, it's neither you're totally uh damned because you can never do right, and it's also you're uh you you can't ever do more. Like it's it's that balance of, of that. He needed someone in his life to help him check that. And uh, he probably did have people that were help, trying to help him, and he probably rejected them because he let his emotions rule his intellect instead of his intellect rule his emotions. Can you speak to that?
6: Yeah, you know, the spiritual traditions of the Church make clear you kind of have to, you know, the thoughts are your battleground uh, in the spiritual life. And you have to, you know, if you have all these thoughts about, oh, God, am I, you have to fill them with better thoughts. St. Paul talks about this. Think of things that are above. Thinking things that make you, you know, more assured, right? There's other ways you have to you can deal with that other than sort of acting out. And he did have people in his life. His uh, his um oh boy, I can't remember the name. Uh his superior in the monastery, the Augustinian monastery, von Staupitz, did try to help him. Didn't do any good. And you just wonder if it could have gone differently. You wonder you know, I remember years ago I had a friend of mine when it was in seminary. He was talking about Luther's. You know, you know, like because Luther, of course, <laughs> made a vow that if he survived a rainstorm, he'd become a priest. It's like he said, you know, today they wouldn't let him in the seminary. <laughs> <laughs> Not generally a good um, stand. They, yeah. you know, they have psychological like screening, you know, and yeah. so it, it's just funny. Like, yeah, if he had been, you know, if someone could have reached him, it's hard to say because you get thing is, you get obsessed about these thoughts. Mm. And I think he was aware of this. Actually, he talks about. um I can't remember, I have a phrase in my head, I can't remember of his writings, but, like, you get up so obsessed, you just get, you get totally sucked into that kind of subjective vortex, you can't get out of it. And the only way to do it is to sort of do crazy yeah. things and well, break out of and it. And he did, right? He I mean, he he yeah. kicked out books of the Bible. That the church had incorporated
0: mm-hmm. not only in 398 in in the latter councils in northern Africa, yeah. but also even before that. You go back to the Miratorium fragment; those books are listed there. But Martin Luther mm-hmm. tosses them out. He adds the word "alone" to Roman to Romans, and so it says "faith alone." Yeah. And yet James tells us it's not mm-hmm. by faith alone. So Saint Paul says you have to work out your your salvation in fear mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. trembling. It's a daily yeah. constant. Uh, cleaving our lord says unless you do the my will the will of the father then you are not with us i mean so it's like you this Mm. the scriptures clearly contradict his theology his philosophy and yet martin luther allowed his his unchecked emotions his issues to really create a revolution in the church that has now lasted 500 plus years and doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon last thoughts dr taylor yeah I'm
6: writing Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I in thinking about him. I think about like modern day political activists. Right. You know, if the world if the world is doesn't give me what I want, if this institution doesn't give me what I want, it must be oppressive and it has to be destroyed. Right. There's, I, I, there's nothing I can change about myself. It's the external it's the it's the objective world. Everyone put it that way it has to be sort of altered. And that goes back to what you said about his, yeah, his changing the the Bible, his throwing out, his going back to the Jewish canon, because he has to reject the church, just can at that point, those sorts of things. Yeah. And you can't live like that, really. No. (laughs) Not in in any perpetuity.
0: We are out of time. Let me recommend Dr. Derek Taylor's article at Crisis Magazine, crisismagazine.com, saying farewell to Martin Luther. You should check it out. Very insightful. Dr. Taylor, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. We'll see you in the next hour. We have the after show. I'll read the rest of that memo from Cardinal Pell and the game show and much more. Otherwise, see you on Monday. God
3: bless
6: you. Hi, I'm Richard Lena, vice president of the Guadalupe Radio Network. During this cherished time of the year, know that you, your family, and all your loved ones remain in our prayers. We pray that the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Christ child, Bring joy to your hearts and homes throughout the entire Christmas season and beyond. Merry Christmas, from our family to yours. This
5: is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
7: Oh, come let us adore him. Hi, this is Dave Palmer. Doesn't that perfectly describe our disposition during this Christmas season? We have the honor of being able to adore the Christ child at Christmas and adore him throughout the year in the Blessed Sacrament and receive him at Mass. And what a blessing also that we can tune in to the GRN anytime to keep our minds focused on our Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Church. Merry Christmas and a blessed new year to you and your family.
0: Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash C. Hi, my name
4: is Olivia and you're listening to KSHJ 1430 AM Catholic Radio throughout Metro Houston on the Guadalupe Radio Network
0: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLeish. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. Great conversation with Dr. Derek Taylor. You know what's, you know, I, I knew he was, maybe it was his good looks, full head of hair, uh, bright, vibrant personality. I'm not sure, but I think I kind of know what, what's behind all that. It's the fact that he's a history professor. <laughs> um, the only true science. Did you
4: mention to him mm-hmm. that you were the 10th grade tenth history, tenth history of, grade of the year?
1: Student of the at year. At Judson High School. Uh, let's yeah. be honest.
0: Specifically, Judson High School. Let's be honest. Could there be a history professor who doesn't know that fact? You know, I heard that he I mean, was actually the
1: uh, 11th grade history what? champion Sorry. of the year, or student of Sorry. the year. Who, at his high school?
0: No. Derek Taylor? Yeah, yeah, but that's not Judson High School, which is clearly. The greatest high school known to mankind, the Judson uh, High School. False. Is that no. ca- the caterpillars, fighting caterpillars?
1: The Judson
0: Rockets. Hello, oh. everyone has heard of the Judson Rockets. Judson Rockets, claws out. There is fear <laughs> and trembling with other schools who think about Judson Rockets. They just go. They immediately right. start to tremble. Uh, and speaking yes. of which, fear and trembling coming up at fifteen past the hour. We're going to play the game. Today's the day we give out prizes. You could win if you want to hedge your bet and make it possible for you to get your chance to get in on the drawing then you have to get the phone number. Now, there's two ways to do that. Number one, I'll give it to you at 15 past, and if you're quick on the dial, you get to be our caller, and uh, we'll play the game, have a laugh, it'll be fun. Or you could go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can find the phone number on that website. It's there. You can look for it. While you're there, I encourage you to sign up to the CDT Insider email list. And you're going to get an email later today. We're going to, in fact, when you sign up, you're going to get a free talk. It's a powerful talk by Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy. Really powerful talk on the state of the church today. What we, where we're going, and what we must do. That's going to just be a thank you for letting us harass you in your inbox once a month. But every single Friday, we try to send you some bit of entertainment, a recap of the week's conversations on the show, insider information, plus I'll include the CDT telegram group which you can be a part of there's a great group over there every day we appreciate that conversation uh and and community that'll all be in the email that'll be sent out and adrian's going to send it out today so adrian's going uh, praise god look for that in your inbox again grnonline.com forward slash cdt don't forget the car raffle you can get a brand new mercedes come february the 24th your name could be pulled out of the basket praise be to jesus $25 a ticket. You can get five, that's an extra one for free, for 100 bucks. You can go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle to get your tickets, read the rules and more. Uh, grnonline.com forward slash raffle. But if you really want to be cool, you want to be a Uber Chad, as the young ones say. You mean a Giga Chad? Is it Giga or Uber? Giga definitely Chad. Not Uber. The Lyft Chad? Like the what, Lyft Chad. Oh, no, it's Giga Chad. Is that going kind of to be your new, your new car system, your new car delivery services? If you want to be a, an Uber mensch, as Martin Luther might have said, then you would want to call your local general manager of your local GRN radio station and ask them about how to get your raffle tickets. But also while you're there, ask them, hey, how do I help you sell more car raffle tickets to support this GRN radio station? You would be the most amazing volunteer and cooperator in this apostolic work. We would be so grateful to you. Again, go to grnonline.com for all the details. Real quick, before we jump over to Dave Palmer, I got to tell you, last night I heard a song Uh that I had not ever heard before. It's the first time I ever encountered this song. And uh, I found this song so beautiful, so incredible, that I listened to it probably... I don't know, six or seven times. it sounds like copyrighted material. I actually started to cry Whoa. as of listening to this song. Like I was wow. getting pretty emotional. My,
4: All right, bud, my, turn, in your, my turn in your man card, man.
0: My kids were like, what is wrong with Dad? Like, what is, What's going on over there? So the song is called, uh, it's Jeremy Johnson, and it's called In Color. Oh, I know that song. And I wanted to mention this song to you because I found it to be incredibly beautiful. It's about a grandson asking his granddad about pictures that he's seen. And they're recounting their entire lives. And it was just the most beautiful thing. And you realize when you listen to a song like this, how much we have slipped when it comes to family, when it comes to tradition, when it comes to things that are beautiful, a life well lived, a life of sacrifice, a life of commitment. And to pass that on to a next generation... Never take that for granted. This song is quite beautiful. Jeremy Johnson, or Jamie Johnson, is his name. I didn't even know this. I didn't even know who this guy was until yesterday. Jamie Johnson, and the song is in color. It's been out for many years. Can I recommend it to you? Praise be to God. Speaking of existentialism, our good friend, <laughs> our good friend Dave Palmer, host back to the Father. Uh, some would say a Chad. Good morning to you, Dave. Thanks for being on hey, with us good again morning, today,
7: Joe. Great transition. I really like that. That's a segue perfect.
0: <laughs> do you even know what gigachad means? By the way, are, are you familiar with what the kids say these days? You have lots of uh, young people who <laughs> hang out with he you. Has at younger the people over there than North we do, I, I, Texas Station.
7: I, 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 I guess you. I have these two teenage girls that hang out. My daughters <laughs> in our house, and well, they're they're, they're kind of with it. But I got to tell you, I've never heard that expression. I've heard of hanging.
0: Sissel doesn't remember those. Yeah, of well, course. That's because the you're giggas. you're
1: hanging out with a lot of girls. Giga is more of a term that guys use. Really? So Sissel oh, doesn't
0: say okay, giga chat. Sissel's okay. not saying this. Your interns don't I, say this.
1: The Sissel's very, very with it, but I've never heard her say "Giga
7: Chat" well, up until today. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Now, maybe, maybe it's possible that Sissel uh, is more of a John Paul Sartre kind of a gal, and she would say things like "the absurdity of the world." Right? She's into, she's into, uh, <laughs> "We are free uh, from from the the limitations of tradition and society and norms and all the rest." Tell us about what's on the show today. At Back to the Father.
7: Oh, all right. So I, I have been fascinated, of course, with St. Thomas Aquinas for many years, and I study him. I teach him to teenage, to high school kids, and I've also been very fascinated with what's happened uh, to the kind of Aristotelian, Thomistic model of philosophy since the 13th century, and all these philosophers like Descartes and Hegel and Kant who have kind of like torn it to pieces and gotten us to where we are today— and one of the, the very c- contemporary philosophers who I think a lot of people have heard of, but they really don't know a lot about what he taught, was Jean-Paul Sartre. He was a 20th century French philosopher, existentialist, humanist, and extremely popular in his day. In fact, I think they said like, like uh, 100,000 people went to his funeral. He was very popular with young people, with college students, and on the show today we're going to talk about his existentialism, why it's dangerous, how it helped lead us to where we are today with people, you know, claiming that they're opposite gender and kind of creating themselves, because that's really what he was all about, and also in particular a quote that he had where he says, we are condemned to be free, so his notion of freedom was like anxiety ridden. And why that's the case, because he also was an atheist and he didn't have any any belief in God.
4: Huh. Uh, Mr. Palmer, you know, I'm thinking about existentialism. It's been a while since I've, I've you know, even considered it again. But, you know, many, many people don't actually know what that is. How, how did this movement uh, come about? Are you going to talk about that on the show?
7: Yeah, I, I do want to talk about some of his influences because he's not the first existentialist and he's uh, certainly not the last. But uh, the Jean Paul Sartre like model of existentialism it basically means that, and this is very philosophical, so I'll try to explain it as, as simply as possible, is that uh, existence precedes essence, which means that in, in our worldview, we are born. And we exist and we also have a certain essence there's a certain like what it means to be a human person uh we are made to the image and likeness of god which he would totally not not believe what he believed is that a person is born so they have existence and then they create themselves They they mm. create them into their own model of what they want to be and so rather than saying, you know, like a teleological kind of we're being directed to an end by God, which, you know, Christians believe that we are, uh, to some way, God is kind of pulling us back to himself. He would say, no, that, you know, we are, we, we just were born, we're on our own, we're left to our own devices, and we have to create ourselves in, in whatever way we want. And, and it's very problematic. And that's also why he said we are condemned to be free, because mm. he realized it's that that's that's hard when you don't have it's like showing up to work one day and they just say just go ahead and work and you don't have a mentor you don't have anybody helping you you don't have a boss you're just on your own you have you have no, no one's helping you other than yourself i think that's the SART model
1: you know it's interesting dave and i think it's really apropos for the modern world because you know the german existentialist tradition is really what brought us to Where we are today with the uh, transgender ideology, with redefining marriage, that in nominalism between these two things, we have we brought about the destruction of all of society where everybody is trying to create literally create themselves, chopping off body parts and things like that. Uh, Will you be talking a little bit about how the existentialist, uh, I guess you could call it tradition, uh, brought about modern errors?
7: Yeah, yeah, you mentioned the Germans. Of course, Sartre was a Frenchman, but he was influenced mostly by by Germans, like like Kant and Hegel and Nietzsche and and uh, others of, of that ilk. And so, I, I I do want to do some more research and kind of find out where, what kind of led to to, to Sart. And and also, you know, we we sometimes think that the 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 most powerful people in the world are you know the ones at the the, the G seven summit or. Uh, you know klaus schwab or you know joe biden or or you know leaders of china but i i think we sometimes underestimate the conversations that are had at cafe cafes in paris or vienna that you know where these intellectuals get together because nine times out of ten these guys are also college professors uh, as was aquinas and they're influencing young people and their thoughts are being spread out across the world And I think sometimes we don't give these guys enough credit because they are, as you alluded to, Adrian, uh, much of the reason for why we we are where we are
0: today. You know, I was looking at uh, John Paul Sartre and thinking also about the conversation we had the last hour with Dr. Derek Taylor about Martin Luther. Both have something very much in common. They allow their emotions to go unchecked by sound logic and reason. And uh, with jean Paul Sartre, you can clearly see that uh, the sexual revolution is. Uh, he, I think he would, I think he would, he could be considered a foundation for you know, laying the groundwork for the sexual revolution because he wanted to be free. It's kind of like a hippie in that way. He wanted to be free of all of these uh, these impediments, free of of things that would hold us back, traditional norms, all the all of that. Um, very like uh, what was that, Kenzie? Uh, Kenzie was also sort Alfred, of an, Alfred. Yeah, yeah Alfred Kenzie was sort of in that same camp, and then he's also a, a Marxist, a communist. He liked to hang out with communists, so just this weird uh, amalgamation of ideas. But basically, just trying to be at war with God is at the bottom line. It's anything but God and death to God. I think is how you could sum up Jean Paul Sartre.
7: Yeah, yo, I totally agree. And uh, you know, when I was in college, the first philosophy course I ever took was I, I learned uh, Nietzsche. And, and I was so attracted to him because he's a great writer, first of all. And he writes about, uh, you know, the, the will and, and, and it, it just, it was, it was as a young person very attractive to me. And I think Jean Paul Sartre is the same way because he talks about freedom. I mean, who, who doesn't have like this notion of being able to create ourselves as we would like? Imagine that I could just be whoever I want to be and create myself. I think especially the young people, it's very attractive. And so we have to, uh, acknowledge that there's something good in what he's saying because people are attracted to it, but then also be critical and say, but let's take a step back and uh, find some of the holes, uh, kind of like what you were talking about with your previous guest, is that a lot of times people are not critical of Martin Luther, and maybe they should be more so.
0: Now, I've, we're going to run out of time here quickly, but I think John Paul Sartre has taught a lot in Catholic University. Sometimes it's just to reveal kind of really what he taught and what he thought and why we should... Find the errors in that, but sometimes we see John Paul start being embraced by Catholic uh, uh, philosophers. What say you about that, Dave Palmer?
8: Yeah,
7: I it, that would be tough because you know he was a humanist, he was an atheist, he you know he he lived with his you know lover for fifty years and they had an open relationship, and so they're, they're really I don't see a whole lot like, from a Catholic perspective, that would be appealing to him, other than this notion of freedom, which, of course, we all believe in in freedom, and we want to be free, but his freedom had no uh, dependence upon God, and there was no providence, there was, you know, God had no part of this freedom. Uh, So if he is being taught in Catholic universities, I, I hope and pray that it would be in a very critical manner.
0: Yeah, all right, back to the Father comes up, Today, 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern on the GRN online Facebook page and YouTube channel, Dave Palmer and his team of GigaChads over there in the North Texas station will be hosting. So tune in for that. Share it with a friend. Comment, like, and share. We'd be grateful to you for that. Uh, Where are you at there, Dave, on the car raffle? How many tickets have you got already in the bin?
7: Yeah, we. I think we sold about 1,000, almost 1,000 tickets the first uh, wow. week. And we, we're, we're, we're off to a good start. I got a very, very good team in North Texas, a lot of volunteers, and, of course, Sissel and Manny and Diane. and uh, So we were very blessed, and we're also very thankful because a, a lot of pastors are allowing us to come into their parishes and, and sell tickets. So be to God. It's all good so far. All
0: right. All good. Well, good luck, Dave. God bless you, and thanks for your time today. We appreciate it.
7: Thanks, Joe.
0: Thank you. All right, time to play the game show. Fear and trembling. Prizes are at stake, and you can win if you call right now 877 757 9424. Phone lines are open. Rudy Carlos standing by to take your call. 877 757 9424. We'll be right back.
7: From St. Luke's Gospel, the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, this is the sixth month for her, called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Let's bring impossible measures of joy and love to all. I'm Joseph Schuler in the Washington, D.C. studio of Guadalupe Radio Network. I wish you a happy and holy Christmas.
5: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Since we are all children, we all associate Christmas with Christmas presents. G.K. Chesterton says that everything looks better when it's a gift. A gift is something we don't deserve. If we deserved it, it would not be a gift. And that's why the only possible response to a gift is gratitude. And that is why we hear in the Mass, as we will hear at Christ's Mass, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Everything we have is a gift. And that is why Chesterton says, thanks is the highest form of thought. That's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. The best kind of giving, says Chesterton, is thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? visit us at chesterton.org.
2: Merry Christmas. My
5: name is Josefa Barrios, Business and Operations Assistant for the Guadalupe Radio Network. On behalf of the Guadalupe Radio Network, we wish you a season of hope, a season of love, and a season of many blessings. May the divine light of Christmas shine in your life this season. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless.
0: Oh McClain! praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show that has secrets and agendas that you're not allowed to tell anybody. It's the messianic secret we we call here. So keep it between us. But I will tell you my secrets. If, secret, no cap. But you got to explain that in the after show. But nonetheless, we need a caller. So your chance to win is like pretty impressive right now. One eight oh no. It's 877 757 9424. 877 757 9424. First caller gets to play the game. Uh, Adrian will take your call right now. 877 757 9424. That phone number again is 877 757 9424. Now, there are a few things we like to do on the download, the QT. We just don't want you telling anybody. So don't, don't, don't do it. Just keep it between us. Number one. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you never knew before about your Catholic faith. Praise be to God. You get bragging rights, right? Number two, we like to have a laugh, a good time, and a chuckle when our callers call 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play at 877-757-9424. Now, the third thing we do is we give out prizes, which means we are absolutely manipul I mean, we are incentivizing you to uh, learn to laugh, and to win. And somebody's going to do all three of those because today's the day we pull the winner. But you got to call 877-757-9424. All right, so here's the deal, though. The secret sauce, the kicker in all of this is we don't ask our caller the questions. They don't have to know. They may not know a single correct answer in order to play our game to win. And that's because instead of asking them, I shall ask Rudy, and I shall ask Adrian. One of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? But they got a call 877-757-9424. We did have one on the hook, but call drops. So call back 877-757-9424. One more time. 877 877- 757 9424 call right now. Rudy, what can they win? Well, this
4: week you're going to be able to win, I will tell you this, right after I give you the number, 1-877-757-9424. Phone lines are completely open right now. But today we're going to draw the winner. The winner this week is going to win a replica of the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. The one, the only, the resplendent, the... uh, it's given off some sort of holy aura... (laughs) You know, the one you get isn't going to have that. Wow. It's a replica of that, but it's yeah. going to be <laughs> it's going to be autographed. It's, and it's new and improved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. CDT is giving away the prize back this week, and uh, mm-hmm. it's going to make your coffee taste at least yeah. At the very least, 80% better. 80? So if you're putting in the worst brew, let's say.
0: It's a great way to save some money on coffee. Exactly. You get the cheap stuff, but it it tastes better. Yeah,
4: exactly. You get the worst brand, Mm. the one that's been sitting on the shelf for years. Yeah. Yeah, Somehow hasn't been sold. It's going to taste incredible.
0: It's still there, not sold. Now, the original coffee cup at Divine Providence, that was dug up in an archaeological dig underneath the Red Sea where Moses crossed over to the Arabian Peninsula.
4: Yeah, I was there on a fishing trip, and uh, I just I felt something tug at my my rod, and I brought it up, and it wasn't a shoe; it was wow. a coffee cup in Mind rod.
0: Was so blown! This is incredible. It so scraped
4: the, off the urchins, the, you know. The, do
0: the replicas include uh, some of the remnants of like the barnacles? Do we had those scratches, like just to kind of make it look. I would like drink the out of it to make it better. <laughs> Got it. Interesting. Okay. Well, I'll
4: take a drink from it. All right, second.
0: let's go to the phones. Carrie, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Kerry. Thanks for hanging out with us. Where are you calling from? Luckenbach, Texas. What? Down in Luckenbach, no Texas. Hanging with Wayne and, okay. and the boys. Kerry, are you required to know that song by heart? I'm just curious. Is it like by mandate and uh, law? No, but it, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> expected. expected. Luckenbach, Texas. Oh, so a good song. How are you feeling such, today? Yeah, praise be to God. Merry Christmas to you. Go Thanks to for hard. hanging out with us. Uh, where do you go to church, Kerry? St. Mary's in Fredericksburg. Wow, that's very Fredericksburg. cool. Fredericksburg. I'm glad you're here, Carrie. Beautiful. Now, are you familiar with how this game works, sir?
6: Yes, sir, I am.
0: All right, you should know then. Uh, Brother Rudy's wearing a leather jacket, fully zipped up, and it's Houston, Texas, which means it's 87 <laughs> degrees and humid outside. So what is he hiding? It was cold what this does morning. It all really mean? That's the question, Carrie. But we're going to start. If you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Carrie. you ready to go?
5: Yes,
0: sir. All right, let's do it. Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning. I called the CDF. I asked for permission. They said we can we can use this as tradition. I'll oh, okay. start with you first. Very good. So good. uh I put are you some strings, yeah. I'm ready. What are you hiding under the jacket? I'm just just curious. What's, what's uh a there?
4: branded polo of my podcast? I see it's, it's conflict of interest. Oh, I can't show it on here. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's the official answer.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh can you can you help me out here? Mm. What was Father Edward Flanagan famous for?
4: Father Edward Flanagan. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about Lukenbach, Texas, places yeah. of, of renown. He founded a city. Called good.
0: Fellaville, really? Yeah, Fellaville. Fellaville. What a good fella! Yeah, he's a good fella. All right, interesting. Fellaville. Um, Adrian, uh, maybe you can help here. What was Father Edward Flanagan famous for?
1: Ah, uh, the jolly good fellow, Father Edward Flanagan. He founded Boys Town. <laughs> what? Boys Town, which now, oddly enough, mm-hmm. in the 21st century, mm-hmm. now has girls. That's kind of like the Boy Scouts.
0: I see. Yeah, it's kind of weird. All right, interesting. Uh, so, Father Edward Flanagan. Uh, Carrie in Lukenbach, Texas. Adrian says it was Boys Town, but Rudy says it was Fellaville. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Carrie, what say you? Adrian, who is never wrong, is Whoa! What?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Wow. To hear that, it's joke.
0: unfortunate that you, you know, that you haven't Harry won today. That, obviously,
1: I mean, because he wanted to be younger, mm-hmm. faster, stronger, more attractive. Uh-huh. His hair grows back. Uh-huh. All these things happen when you go with Adrian. I'm uh, in pain. It's scientifically <sighs> confirmed. <sighs> Trust the science,
0: Carrie. What would Willie Nelson say about this? I don't know. say, right. To stay, you're... Let's go to Looking Bot Tech. All right. You're right. That so was Adrian. Boys Town, by the way, Judson High School, right across the way. A Boys Town. I'm just saying, coincidence? I think not. Mm. All mm. right. Let's see if we can't get you in the cup for a, a second opportunity here. We're going to go to Adrian first. Adrian, uh, I know that you have been a public official for most of your life, at least according to your Twitter feed. Could you help me? What is the public official? And common prayer of the church, the prayer of the mystical body. Well, someone
1: who identifies as the king of the universe, uh-huh. I would actually say that is the Hail Mary.
0: Really? Yes. Like football players, like when they no, no, like no. with like, Tom Brady, like, the like, Catholic like throws the rosary. That? Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. so that's not the same. No, it's All a little right. different. Okay, uh, Hail Mary. All right, interesting. Uh, Rudy, could you help me out here? What is the op- the op- the public official common prayer of holy mother church of the mystical body the official and common prayer of the of the
4: catholic church the prayer Mm. of the mystical body Mm -hmm. that's known as uh, can i get some reverb Mm. the divine office
0: we can't even do reverb bro yeah i know (laughs) divine office divine office all right carrie you got options rudy says it's divine office adrian says it's the Hail mary 15 seconds on the clock who is right who is wrong carrie what say you Rudy, the font of all wisdom is correct. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Are you just... Carrie, curious? I'm gushing this, here. This guy is, is just milking Sorry. it. He's sucking it. up Carrie today. Carrie. What is going on? Man, I got to go
4: to Luke and Bach, Texas.
0: Wow.
4: Whew. Man.
0: The divine Office is correct, by the way. So, font of all wisdom. Rudy Carlos was right there. The
4: font of all, all
0: wisdom. All right. Praise God. All right. I wish. Carrie, you're doing great. Could be a a perfect score today. We're going to go back to Rudy, speaking of founts of wisdom. Rudy, can you tell me, what is the oldest Catholic institution of higher education in these United States?
4: Okay, that's going to be the Seton Academy for Good Catholic Children. Really? Yep. It was founded in 1786.
0: Are you being serious? Ten years after... Interesting. The founding of the country. Wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see what uh, Adrian says. Adrian, I know you once uh, passed by, walked slightly by at Catholic University. Maybe you could help. What is the oldest Catholic institution of higher education in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, that would be Georgetown University, which what? I don't know how Catholic it is <laughs> anymore, to be honest. Robert. You just see the TFP videos when they go out to Georgetown. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying is all. So, but you're Jesley saying that University. was the first. It is the
0: first. Well, Kerry, I don't know if you know, but Adrian says it's Georgetown University, whereas Rudy says it's the Seton Academy for Good Catholic Children. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Kerry in Lucanbach, Texas. What say you, sir?
7: Well, he whose wisdom is only matched by his good looks doesn't have to be Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man. So true, Kerry. So true.
4: All right,
3: Gary.
4: here we go. Whoa. You were right, sir. I kind of hope Carrie wins. In the drawing here, I feel like Carrie. I has to win at this point. Let me just. I don't know. Maybe fate will allow. It's Robert.
0: Robert. Robert. You won. Carrie, masterful play today. Gary. God wow. love you, my friend. Thanks what a giga, for, Chad. Thanks for having a laugh with us today. We really appreciate it. Definitely not a Wojak. You bet. God bless Thank you, Carrie. Have a great weekend and. I don't know what they do in Lukenbach, Texas, but hang they out with William the pain. boys, but otherwise... Drink soda water. Drink soda water. All right. <laughs> nice. God bless you, Carrie. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side. Hey, I'm going to read the rest of that Cardinal Pell memo to you in the after show. You can hang out with us at grnonline.com forward slash c-d-t. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you on Monday. Thank you for joining us
1: on Your Catholic Drive Time
7: Guadalupe Radio Network
0: now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the Chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
2: Welcome to the Holy Mass, live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Friday of the first week in Ordinary Time. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Please join in singing our opening song, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven.
3: Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, To His feet Thy tribute bring Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven Evermore his praises sing Alleluia, alleluia Praise the everlasting King
9: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you.
2: And with your spirit.
9: Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Hilary, who lived in the 300s in what is now Poitiers in west central France. He grew up in a noble pagan family, received a good education. He married and had a daughter. And then he effectively studied his way into the Catholic faith. So all of he and his family were received into the church. When he was in his early 40s, the citizens of the town chose him as their new bishop. He worked strenuously to defend the divinity of Christ against the errors of the Arian heresy. For this, the emperor sent him into, uh, into exile in what is now Turkey. But as he continued to speak and write and participate in councils, he made such problems for the Aryans there that they asked him to please be sent back home. And so he returned back to Poitiers. He was a friend and mentor of St. Martin of Tours. He died in about possibly this day in the year 367, and he was named a doctor of the Universal Church. Brother, brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ have mercy. Christ have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy.
2: Lord, have mercy.
9: May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that we may rightly understand and truthfully profess the divinity of your Son which the Bishop St. Hilary taught with such constancy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and
3: ever.
8: reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Let us be on our guard while the promise of entering into his rest remains, that none of you seem to have failed. For in fact, we have received the good news just as our ancestors did. But the word that they heard did not profit them, for they were not united in faith with those who listened. For we who believed entered into that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And yet his works were accomplished at the foundation of the world. For he has spoken somewhere about the seventh day in this manner, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the previously mentioned place, they shall not enter into my rest. Therefore let us strive to enter into that rest, so that no, that no one may fall after the example of disobedience. The word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God.
8: Do not forget the works of the Lord.
2: Do not forget the works of the Lord.
8: What we have heard and know, and what our fathers have declared to us, we will declare to the generation to come, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his strength.
2: Do not not forget 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 the the works works of of the the Lord. Lord.
8: That they too may rise and declare to their sons that they should put their hope in God, and not forget the deeds of God, but keep his commands.
2: Do not 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 forget forget the the works of of the Lord.
8: Lord. And not be like their fathers, a generation wayward and rebellious, a generation that kept not its heart steadfast, nor its spirit faithful toward God.
2: Do Do not not forget forget the the works of of the Lord. Lord. Alleluia,
3: alleluia. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. A great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading
9: from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door, and he preached the word to them. They came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him. After they'd broken through, they let down the mat on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves. So he said, Why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, pick up your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat, and go home. He rose, picked up his mat at once, and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The Gospel of the Lord.
2: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
9: The scribes wondered at Jesus' words. How can he speak this way? Who but God alone can forgive sins? And we know that although they weren't able to make the connection, they had just almost discovered something very remarkable and important. That our Lord Jesus, as St. Hilary proclaimed and, and insisted and taught, is true God, right? As we were just celebrating in the Christmas season, true God and true man, born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem on Christmas Day. But what a scene we have in our gospel reading today. This dramatic scene where they have this crowd so that no one gets Jesus, but this paralytic carried by his four friends, right? Paralyzed, unable to move. But these four friends bringing him to Jesus, And not only willing to help to carry the mat on which he was lying, but so creative and resourceful that they found a way to get him to Jesus anyway. Climbing up onto the roof, digging through the roof, lowering him down. What a set of friends. And you know, at different times, you or I or people that we know might need that kind of help as well. They might not be physically paralyzed. We might might not be physically paralyzed, but we might need some sort of help to get us to Jesus. What sort of help might that be? It might be that someone you know is stuck in some sort of sins that they need to confess, but for some reason they feel unable to go and do it. Perhaps they're afraid. Perhaps because of some past bad experience. Maybe you know the right priest. And you can bring them to him. You would walk them all the way to the door of the confessional, reassuring them that this is a priest who will be kind and compassionate and in that way give to them the forgiveness that Jesus promises them in that, in that sacrament. Or perhaps you know of a place where they could go to enter with you into Eucharistic adoration, to be right there with the Lord. Or perhaps you know of a good retreat or a good retreat center where they might go and experience profound changes, their hearts drawn to the Lord. Right? Perhaps they wouldn't do this on their own, but maybe you know who, where, how, you can bring them to him, just as these four friends. But then again, maybe they're further away from Jesus than that. We've been hearing from the letter to the Hebrews, and we know that, as we'll be continue to hear the concern in this letter is that many had already there in the first century left the faith And letters written to urge others not to leave it behind either. And maybe the person you're concerned about is further away from the faith. It's not just a matter of going to confession or a retreat, but they need something more profound. The saint we remember today studied his way into the Catholic faith but Sherry Waddell, in her book, Forming Attentional Disciples, lets us know that today, in this time and place, that tends not to be the way that people come to faith. It tends not to be study, intellectual discovery. But the first step, as she explained in this five-step process, is what she calls trust, or what I like to rename liking. That there's something about the faith, something about the church, that they have come to, to trust or to like, Maybe they had some contact with Catholic education and that's something about it that they like. Or maybe they've been exposed to the architecture and the art and that's what they like. Or maybe the thing that they like about the Catholic faith is you. You're the point of contact with the faith that they like and trust. And we know that the very best testimony, perhaps the very best thing that can bring them to Jesus, is the testimony of your heart and life as you draw closer to Jesus, as you allow him to transform you, as your peace and joy grows, as your love for them, as your increasing holiness. And these can be among the things that can be the thing that draw them, perhaps in a lot of ways, paralyzed in their spirit as they begin to draw close to Jesus. The paralyzed man back in the first century had those four friends. Your friend as you what can you do in a loving gentle but resourceful and creative way to bring them to Jesus now let us entrust to the lord our desires and the needs of all people that the lord may grant that the work of missionaries may yield abundant fruit Let us pray to the Lord.
2: Lord, hear our prayer.
9: That God may grant that hatred may disappear from the world, let us pray to the Lord.
2: Lord, hear our prayer.
9: That the Lord may protect the elderly and give aid to the persecuted, let us pray to the Lord.
2: Lord, hear our prayer.
9: That God may grant eternal glory to our deceased brothers and sisters, let us pray to the Lord.
2: Lord, hear our prayer
9: that during this day we may discover the presence of God in small things and in great, let us pray to the Lord.
2: Lord, hear our prayer.
9: O Lord, strength of those who hope in you, we ask that you hear our petitions, and since we are weak and without you we can do nothing, grant us the help for which we have asked, through Christ our Lord.
2: Amen. Our offertory song is Shelter Me, O God
3: Shelter me, O God Hide me in the shadow of your wings You alone are my home When my foes surround me, set me high. me
9: Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father.
2: May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church.
9: As we celebrate the divine mysteries, O Lord, we pray, may the Holy Spirit fill us with that light of faith by which he constantly enlightened blessed Hilary Lord, holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. Amen. For as on the festival of St. Hilary, you bid your church rejoice, so to you strengthen her by the example of his holy nature by his words of preaching, and keep her safe in answer to his prayers. And so with the company of angels and saints, we sing the hymn of your praise, as without end we acclaim.
3: Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus abaunt, Pleni sunt Terra, Gloria Tua, O in Excelsis, Benedictus qui nomine domini, in excelsis.
9: You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall Who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
2: And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace.
3: On you stay, quit peccata mundi, miserere nobis On you stay quite on you stay mundi dona nobis
2: For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart.
3: Dat panis, jelicus, fecuris terminum, ores mirabilis manducat do. and humilis. Te Trina Deitas Unaque posimus Sic nos tu visita Sic Gute Kulimus du us.
9: Let us pray. Refreshed by heavenly food, we humbly implore you, O oh Lord, that attentive to the teaching of blessed Hilary, we may abide at all times in thanksgiving for the gifts we have received through Christ our Lord. Amen. Oh. Amen. The Lord be with you.
2: And with your spirit.
9: Now mighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God. Please join in singing, I sing the mighty power of God. I sing the
3: mighty power of God who made the mountains run. The
7: Prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.
0: thy peace always in the name of christ our lord amen
7: celebrating 2,000 years of truth this
1: is the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul
0: hello my name is dr alex gote and i'm from christ the good shepherd you're listening to am 1430 kshj houston Radio for your soul.